Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. Join Tyler and his team as they unlock the secrets to achieving financial independence through wealth building strategies inspired by Robert Kiyosaki and other thought provoking leaders. Learn to build leveraged streams of cash flow that land in your pocket and improve your quality of life. Gain access to cutting-edge ideas that will increase your productivity and streamline your success. Find out how to supercharge your retirement plan so you won't have to retire with a pay cut. You can escape the rat race. Are you ready? It's time to Learn to Earn with Tyler Chef. Welcome to the Cashflow Guys podcast. It's that time again. It's Friday morning. We are back for one more episode. This time, I'm going to blow you guys away. Now, we've had awesome guests on this show so far, all kinds of great content, but today we're going to step it up a notch. We're going to take it to the next level. On hold with me today, who's going to join us, is Jason Hartman. Jason has been involved in several thousand real estate transactions. That's right. I did say thousands, not a few, not a hundred, thousands and his own income properties in over 11 states and 17 cities. That in itself, ladies and gentlemen, blows my mind. Now, Jason, he's the founder and CEO of Platinum Properties Investor Network, the Hartman Media Company, and the Hartman Foundation. He started with very little. Jason, while in college at the age of 19, began a career in real estate while brokering properties for clients. At the same time, guys, he was investing in his own portfolio all along the way. Jason joined the ranks as one of the top 1% realtors in the U.S. and quick succession earned a number of prestigious industry awards. Jason, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Tyler. It's great to be here. And um, uh, one of the mistakes I want to acknowledge right away from that intro, this is a mistake I made, is that I over-diversified. Uh, 11 states and 17 cities is too many places to own real estate. <laughs> <laughs> you said it, not me, sir. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, you know, I, I didn't know any better at the time. And uh, I, I was, uh, you know, kind of the eyes bigger than your stomach type of syndrome where I just wanted to buy everything I could get my hands on. And, um, uh, you know, so what we help our clients do is diversify. We do believe you should diversify geographically. You know, there's an old saying in real estate that all real estate is local. And I think that uh, income property is the most historically proven asset class in the entire world. So take that best asset class, but diversify geographically because all real estate is local. So we say three markets, but not more than five, certainly not 17. Okay. <laughs> so, well, I know yeah. that's a great place to start right there. Cause I know somebody's going to ask that very question. Why three markets? Why more than one? That's a great well, question. Yeah, more than one, because, uh, you know, over the years, especially when I was back in traditional real estate before I uh, got into the investor only business in 2005, um, you know, I just saw too many people get hurt. I saw too many markets go the wrong direction. And what I also found is when you look around the country um, and, you know, this is just one of my total pet peeves. I hear these idiots in the media, you know, either you read them in the print media or you hear them on the news or whatever, and they say, you know, real estate is doing this, real estate is doing that, housing is up, housing is down. Well, where? The United States is this giant country with 400 markets, 
400. There is no such thing as a national housing market in a country as large and diverse as the United States of America. And so, you know, a tiny little country, like I just got back from Europe, right? And I went to Luxembourg for the second time. Uh, And Luxembourg has a national real estate market. It's a tiny country. You can drive through it on your lunch hour. Okay. (laughs) You know, but, but the U.S. does not have any one market. It has 400 markets and they can be broken down to three primary types, cyclical, linear, and hybrid. And what I mean by that is the cyclical markets, those are the ones that make the news. They're the ones everybody talks about. They're not too far from you is South Florida, South Florida, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, et cetera. You know, that's a cyclical market. It has glorious highs. It has ugly crashes. Um, You know, any major uh, city, you know, New York City, Washington, D.C., Boston, uh, and then you go to the West and, you know, look at San Francisco, L.A., um, you know, Seattle, Portland, uh, Portland to slightly lesser degree, but still cyclical. Uh, and, and then around the world, you look at, you know, London, Paris, uh, Hong Kong, uh, Dubai, you know, all of these markets are the markets that make the news because incredible things happen. So they're the places people pay attention to, but they are very cyclical. And in all these years of doing this, I've just never met anybody, myself included, that can really predict the cycles very well. Um, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I Call me conservative, but, you know, I'm getting older and I just want to put my money in and let it ride. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to worry about is the market up or down or sideways, you know, so I like the good solid linear markets and, and those don't make the news too much, you know? Well, no, uh, no. So, yeah, yeah. You know, for me, it was, I, I don't know about you, and I hate to say it this way, but I'm too old, Jason, to take a major loss right now at this stage of my life. I'm with you on the multiple markets. I invest in two markets, as you well know, of Memphis, Tennessee, and here in the Tampa Bay market. And, you know, it, it, I do that because, like you said, they are, the Tampa market is more cyclical. Uh, we went through a pretty big crash in, in 08, and we're back, back to, actually beyond, I think, almost beyond where we were in, in, in 08, 07, when things right. went haywire. But as you know, Memphis is more of a lineal market. Not a whole lot changes in Memphis. Yeah. It's slow and steady uh, wins the race. So you're not of the belief then that people can time the market, which is rewarding because I know a lot of people right now that are thinking they're still playing, you know, they're, they're, they're still time, trying to time it. They're, they're out of their mind. You know, listen, I, I've been doing this long enough. I've been through so many cycles. I mean, you, you just I've just never met anybody who can time it. I've read all the books. I've interviewed the gurus on my podcast. I just don't have a lot of faith. And, you know, you can time things to the extent that you can sort of nip around the edges. You can right. time a little bit. You know, you can improve performance a little bit by trying to time things. But to make it your main strategy is suicide. You know, that's just not a strategy. The people that win the game are the people that put their money in and they buy properties that make sense the day they buy them and they hold on. And, you know, that's just the way to win the game, if you ask me. Now, um, back to what you said previously, you would know better than I would, but I would say Tampa is a hybrid market. I would not say it's totally cyclical. Hybrid, as the name implies, is, is kind of in between the two. Memphis, we've done hundreds of transactions in Memphis, and I own properties there, too. 
and uh, uh, but hundreds for clients. Right. And Memphis is definitely linear. It's so boring. It's not even funny. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, the more boring the market is, the better I like it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying I want to live in those boring markets that are linear. Uh, I certainly wouldn't want to live in Memphis, but it's a great place to own income property. Yes, there um, it is. Yeah, it really is. And and so I would say Tampa's kind of in between. It, it goes, Tampa is a great place. I love Tampa. Like I mentioned before we started, I, I been thinking about living there, you know, yeah. I probably will someday. Uh, and um, uh, that Gulf Coast is just, it's spectacular. I love that area. But um, Tampa and Phoenix and Denver and Austin, I would, uh, and even now Atlanta to a slightly lesser degree, I would call those hybrid markets. Okay. Uh, right. They're in the two. They don't, they're not Los Angeles. They're not nuts. Okay. The radical cyclical market, um, San Francisco, radical cyclical market. They're in between the two. I agree with you on the whole, on the hybrid thing. And, and I did, you know, I misspoke, but when I say that, if we had to lean one way or the other, I would have to say that you're, you're definitely right on as far as Tampa goes with the hybrid and, but, uh, leaning towards the cyclical, tell me about these other markets. What makes them hybrid? Um, well, hybrid just means that they have phases in their market cycle of ups and downs that are uh, more pronounced than linear markets, but less of a roller coaster than the full on cyclical markets. So a market like, uh, you know, Los Angeles or Dubai or San Diego, those have big ups and downs. Okay. Tampa is going to have smaller ups and downs and Memphis, they're almost imperceptible. They just chug along, right. you know, nothing, nothing great, nothing terrible. Right. Right. <laughs> kind of chug along type thing. Yeah. You may not consider yourself as one, but I consider you one. I've been following you for years now. And uh, I don't know if you remember, we had dinner once at uh, Secret Successful Syndication Seminar in Dallas, actually. Oh, uh, yeah, I remember that. The real yeah, estate guys. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, so, thank you for reminding me. Yeah, yeah that's where we first met, actually. It was back yeah. then. But now it's we're experiencing this lack of inventory here in our market in the Tampa Bay area. Yeah. I'm telling people, clients ask me on a daily basis, Tyler, should we, should we wait and just wait for the market to crash and then buy? And of course, I'm giving them my explanation, but I'm curious what your explanation is. Yes, there's low inventory, but I'm a believer of, you know, it all comes down to the numbers. Is that, do you agree or disagree or what are your thoughts on that? Well, okay. So we just got, I got done ranting about how you can't time the market, right? right. So that's the first point, but let me give you more for that. Okay. So here's the other thing that the market timers really just miss the boat on is that if you, if you follow my commandment number five, I have this 10 commandments of successful investing that you hear me talk about. Right. Yeah. And, and Commandment number five is thou shalt not gamble. Okay. And that's, you know, be a, either a hybrid or a linear market investor is basically what that says. In other words, the property must make sense the day you buy it or you don't buy it. So nothing in Los Angeles makes any sense ever. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's purely speculative. You're just a gambler. Right. And, and listen, some look at I, you know, my whole real estate career as a traditional real estate agent was in Orange County, California, Irvine, Newport Beach, very cyclical. I made tons of money gambling on the cycles of the cyclical market. I'm not saying you can't make money. I'm just saying it's super risky. 
because you you never have staying power because you never ever buy a property that makes sense the day from day one and how do you evaluate whether it makes sense the one percent rule okay of the rent to value ratio you want to be somewhere in the neighborhood of one percent per month now of course i'm talking about single family homes when i say this and you know i own 149 apartment units i guess i've got a mobile home park i got a bunch of single family homes uh that's the kind of stuff i i personally own right and and so you know uh, with apartments the metric is different okay it's got to be better than that and it's more complicated and you would know all too well because that's that's your expertise and it's what you teach. But just talking about the basics of single family home investing, this the simple side of the business, you know, if if it's a hundred thousand dollar property, I want to see you get somewhere in the neighborhood of one thousand dollars per month. So if you buy five of those then you'll get $5,000 per month. Right. Now, you can either do that or you can buy one $500,000 house in Los Angeles, for example, or Miami, and you're going to get about $2,500 per month. And that's a 0.5 rent-to-value ratio versus a 1% rent-to-value ratio. And and so the, the way you know if it makes sense is the rent-to-value ratio. That's the first major criteria. It's a very easy rule of thumb. It's not about cash flow because cash flow, I can't figure out. It's too complicated in the sense that, you know, you can't do that as a rule of thumb because, you know, it depends how much money you put down. It depends what your interest rate is. Depends if you have an adjustable or fixed or blah, you know, people get lost in all that complexity. Okay. Just 1% per month. Easy. You can, everyone can remember that. Okay. And, uh, and you know, I, I just remembered I didn't answer one of your earlier questions that I, I do want to answer. You said, why three to five markets? Right. It's kind of the same thing as that rent-to-value ratio. The human mind has an odd relationship with the number three. You know, there three things. We can always remember three things. So if we're in three markets, but not more than five, right. we can remember in our head you know, who all those relationships are, who our property managers are, you know, what uh, tax collection authority are we dealing with, you know, for like property taxes. Um, you know, we, we can know in our head what that city is like, what that metro area is like. If we have property managers or if we self-manage, you can do either one. You can self-manage properties long distance. It's one of the things I was surprised that I was able to achieve and and do very well with. And, and we teach that idea. But if you have a manager, then, you know, you can you can just keep track of it in your head. I'm not saying you should, because if you own 70 properties in those markets, you know, you're obviously going to use software tools. And uh, a couple years ago, uh, a client uh, and I bought a software company, a real estate software company called uh, realestatetools.com that helps with all this stuff. But Without the software, you should just have an idea in your head. And so three to five, three is enough diversification. More than five is too much because then you can't remember. I literally, when I had properties in 11 states and 17 cities, Tyler, I kid you not, for beginning (laughs) investors, this is going to sound really stupid. Okay, you ready? Yeah. I I forgot I owned houses. Oh, no. (laughs) I mean, I literally <laughs> forgot. I'm, I'm thinking, like, how ridiculous is my life that I I own a whole house here and I don't even remember that I own it. 
<laughs> that's how absurd it, it was. You know, I couldn't remember who my managers were. You know, I've got all these different, uh, you know, governments, you know, that I'm paying property taxes to. And I couldn't, you know, three to five. It's the right number. Just trust me. You know, you can you can own 100 properties or or 5000 properties, just three to five cities. You're good. No, I'm That's impressed. I'm impressed with yeah. the self-managed long distance. What's your, I mean, I, I know you teach on that and, and folks, you can head over to Jason's website to learn more about that, which will, they'll be in the show notes. But uh, I'm curious in a nutshell, what does that look like? Are you talking about big buildings or single family houses? Are you managing the managers? Is that what you mean by that? Or are you actually yeah, no, dealing with the tenants? Good question. Good question. So uh, I'll just tell you the story. What happened? I bought this house. I buy buy lots of houses sight unseen. Okay. Right. I don't really care much about seeing the house. You know, it's weird how we have some people, not many anymore. But um, when I started doing this in 2004, it was very ingrained in the mentality that, well, you'd never buy a house without seeing it. Well, you now, you know, we've done thousands of transactions for clients. They right. buy houses sight unseen all the time. And and that's not a problem. Uh, and I always thought you needed a property manager. Now, I was this fell on me by accident. OK, here's what happened. I have this house. I still own the house in San Antonio, Texas. OK, mm -hmm. and I owned it for several years and I had a property manager and then the property manager got out of the business. And, um, I, I had my assistant, Karen, uh, she was like interviewing some new property managers and, um, you know, seeing who I should go to. And, uh, some of them sent over property management agreements and I just got busy and I just never signed one. And then I went to the mailbox and I got this note with a check from the tenant, a nice little note that says, hi, I'm so-and-so. And, -so, and uh, I hear that the property manager got out of the business. So he told me to send the rent to you. And he wrote me a nice little note. There's my phone number. Let me know if you need anything. I'm thinking, here's my tenant saying, let me know if I need anything. Let him know if I need anything. <laughs> like, like, you know, turning the relationship on its head. Right. right. And, and so I, I thought, you know, why do I need a property manager? You know, if there's a problem with the property, it's not like the manager lives there. It's not like they're going to notice the problem. The tenant is going to be calling the manager and saying, hey, there's a problem. So why not just cut out the middleman and let the tenant call me? Right. And then I know what everybody's thinking. Well, what about when the toilet gets plugged up at two in the morning? Do you know, with the hundreds of tenants that I've had over the years, I've never had that phone call. <laughs> you know what else has never happened to me? I've never been sued by a tenant. I've never had a tenant slip and fall and even threaten to sue me. OK, like these things that you hear, they just don't happen that much. OK, <laughs> like, I, I, you know, it's just crazy. Right. And so what I found is that I had another property in Houston. And, you know, whenever I I, I started doing it this way. If I liked my manager and they were really good, they were worth their weight in gold. I'd totally keep them. Right. But if I didn't like my manager or, you know, some something came up and I didn't feel good about the way it went, I'd get rid of the manager. And I had this other one in Houston and the tenant was he, he basically was an engineer that um, helped design oil uh, drilling platforms, right? Okay. And um, and so I started self-managing that property. I'd never seen the house. I've never seen any either of these houses. I never met either of the tenants in person. Nothing. 
totally remote, right? And so uh, the tenant said that, uh, like, when he, uh, he he sent me the rent, the Houston guy, um, he, he wrote me a note and said, hey, there was this problem, this electrical problem, but I fixed it. And I'm like, oh, nice. well, great. <laughs> if it was the property manager, he would have sent me a bill for $350 and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right. right. Uh, so I, I got to tell you something, folks. There's a there's a some landlords view their tenants like little children and they view them as adversaries. We got to remember something. Our tenant is our customer. Oh, thank you for that. Who, whoever gives me money is the person I want to respect the most. Whoever takes my money is serving me. Okay. That's the way you need to view it. And, and the tenant is giving you money. They are your customer. If you owned a, a restaurant and someone came in and give you money, you treat them well, right? I hear some landlords kind of say, Oh, my tenant's such a jerk, blah, blah, blah. And I know there are problem tenants. Listen, I've had problem tenants, but, but here's the other thing I noticed that was beautiful about self-management. When there's some big faceless institution, even if it's not big, but the tenant still views it as big, right? It's ABC right. property management. The tenant will be really uh, demanding. They will ask, you know, hey, I saw an ant. Send an exterminator out, right. you know. But if the tenant has the pressure of maintaining the relationship with you because you are a human they're not going to bug you that much. You usually, I mean, some people, you know, there's always bad people, right? right. But by and large, the, the tenant is just going to take care of a lot of things themselves. Okay. You know, you don't need to call a, an expensive contractor out for every little thing with a property. You know, it's not in, it's not a class A apartment complex where you call the on-site maintenance office and say, change my light bulb. Exactly. You know, this is a home. It's a single family home. You should expect to do some work. Okay. To maintain the home. Right. And, um, and so, you know, treat your tenants with respect. Most of the time they'll return the favor. That's some solid wisdom. I got to say, I mean, I don't, I'm granted self-management is not for everybody because I think it takes a certain type of individual and, and you're right. But I think a lot of your success ties to you're taking the time to pick quality tenants. You're not just parking, so to speak, butts and seats, for lack of a better term. But yeah. I'll tell you, I'll tell you something else, Tyler. There was a really interesting thing. Every year we have this big annual event we call Meet the Masters of Income Property, right? So we've got it coming up in La Jolla, California in January. And um, uh, at this event, about two years ago, I think it was, one of our clients who now actually works with us, um, his name is Fernando. He was talking on stage and I was interviewing him and he bought 70 properties from us and retired from Apple and he has a great story about it. And, um, you know, he had a big corporate job and he left uh, just to be a real estate investor. And, um, and he's like 48 years old or 46 at the time, I think. And, um, I was interviewing him about his properties and he said he had 50 properties, 50 of the 70 that were with property managers and 20 that were self-managed. And he just casually made the remark and, and every property manager in the room like was, <laughs> oh God, why did he just say that? He just casually made the remark that the self-managed properties were actually easier to manage than the properties where he had property managers. 
And, you know, it just kind of makes sense because when you remove the middleman and you, you deal directly, a lot of times it is easier. We've all had this happen in our life where we've got, you know, too many cooks in the kitchen type thing, right? Yes. Uh, so, and I'm not saying it's, it's, it's not perfect. It's not necessarily everybody's thing. And I, you know, I don't care either way you want to do it. I mean, most of our clients have property managers, but I do think the self-management thing is something to seriously be considered. All of my properties locally, when I lived in Southern California and I invested or gambled, speculated in Southern California in that cyclical market, I managed them myself always, right? You know, and it was really easy. Oh, here's another revelation, and I'll, I'll shut up about this. You probably <laughs> want to change topics, but here was another revelation that was interesting about self-management. So I lived uh, at, at one time in Irvine, California. And I had uh, a couple of investment pro rental properties in Irvine, California also. And I remember one of my tenants, a guy named Josh, who interestingly, was a timeshare sales manager. Right. <laughs> That's what he did for a living. And he was he was a really nice guy. And uh, I self-managed the property, of course. It was about, I don't know, 10 minutes from my house and maybe eight minutes from my office in Irvine. And um, he gave me notice and said, I'm moving out. And he'd been there about, I don't know, three, three and a half years. Okay. okay. And and I, I went over to the house after he moved to inspect it, and I realized, you know, in three or three and a half years since he moved in, I've never been here. It, this might have well have been 3,000 <laughs> miles away for all that I care, That's because awesome. I, I have not been to this house in like three years, <laughs> you know. And, and so why does it matter if it's local or... You know, it's just we have all these technologies today that enable us to do things remotely. You know, if uh, if the garbage disposal breaks, go to HomeDepot.com and order one right. and see and see how much it costs. And don't let the plumber rip you off. OK, you everything is at your fingertips nowadays. Google Street View, you know, uh, any Com comparable market information, rental information. I mean, there's just everything. It's just so easy. That's impressive. That's really solid advice. I'm sitting there thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, I'm, sitting, I'm shaking my head. I know people can't see me. I'm going, yeah, he's right. He's absolutely right. I can't believe I didn't think of that. But lastly, before we wrap up, I know you're busy. I'll let you get back to your day, but realestatetools.com. First, let me say, I am probably your biggest fan when it comes to that oh, product. I didn't know you even used it. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I, I recommend that to everybody, everything, every one of my, my lessons and things that I teach and on the podcast, I always tell people, listen, you're going to have to not be a Windows person because realestatetools.com is only available for, for Apple products on the mobile devices. But Let me just make a distinction, uh, Tyler, if I may, about that. Yep. That's for the apps. We do have a right. web-based software that is much more robust yeah. uh, than the apps are. So we have iPad and iPhone apps, uh, but we have Property Tracker, which is part of the Real Estate Tools suite, which is web-based. So Mac and PC, those, those people that are still crazy enough to be using PCs, yeah. aha, <laughs> I'm a Mac guy too, I love, yeah. I love Apple, uh, great company. Um, but uh, you can use that uh, on any platform. Platform. It's just uh, it's just on on the web. Outstanding, Jason. Thank you so much for spending the time with us today. I know you're a busy guy. You got a lot going on. You've got I'm, how many podcasts are you up to now? 
different. Oh, I've I got like 20 podcasts, but, you know, I've I've uh, affiliated with some co-hosts that are doing some of them with me, like every other episode. So it's it's I've been I've been trying to find a way to take the load off a bit and, and it's working. <laughs> so go. that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Best way to reach you. Yeah. Uh, thank you for having me on the show. Uh, JasonHartman.com is my website. That's just my name, Jason Hartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N.com. Uh, and, you know, on all the usual social media platforms, et cetera. And then RealEstateTools.com for the software. You, if you're a real estate investor, you've got to use software. Tyler, let me share one more thing Absolutely. that really made the difference for me when I was starting out in the investor-only business. Back in 2004, we had a client that developed the real estate tools products, and, and we bought the company from him Okay, a, few, a couple years ago. Um, and um, this client did a great job developing that. But when I saw him at a seminar demonstrate the software, I thought, this is the answer, because this business is so fragmented and everybody presents things to you in all these wonky different formats. You've got to standardize things. Yes. You've got to benchmark stuff. You, you, you need to use one software tool. Even if it's not mine, just use something. Okay. But of course, realestatetools.com is the best. I agree. <laughs> you need to use one tool so that you're looking at your data in the same format every time. You should not have to be a detective on each deal to figure out. And you know, people hide things in these confusing formats. They leave out the vacancy rate. They, they do this, they do that. The other thing, it, it's a, it's a problem. If you do one thing, standardize your data. That is super, super important. Oh, that I'm so glad you said that. And that's why I love that software is because it does that. I, people lie to themselves about the numbers. And I rant about this oh, on a regular totally. basis. Like, stop. Yeah. The only person you're ripping off is yourself. Yeah, it's like working out. You know, you're supposed to do 10 reps per set and you're supposed to do three sets. And right. you're like, oh, well, I did six reps and I did two sets. And, you know, I can just count that as three sets of 10. Yeah, right. <laughs> you're only ripping yourself off. Yeah. You're in the right. locker room drinking a milkshake. Stop it. That doesn't count as going to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm really glad you did that. I mean, that yeah, software, absolutely. I. I love it. I absolutely love it. And I've been using it for years and I'm, I'm a loyal, loyal customer of, of that. That's for sure. So yeah. folks, if I, you I don't had, have, it, I had no idea. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Glad, glad you like it. Glad you like it. So realestatetools.com, jasonhartman.com. And Hey, happy investing to you and your listeners and uh, keep up the good work. Thank you, Jason. Have a great day. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.